Welcome to the Bethesda Christian Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit yourbcc.org or download our mobile app from the App Store. We've been talking the last couple weeks about choices and the fact that God makes choice. And when he makes a choice, he will see it to the end. And when he makes a choice, you're not going to undo that choice because you like it or don't like it. We've talked about the fact that he chooses us and we don't choose him. We talked about that he created us for service and he chooses where we will serve and what it is that he wants us to do. And today, the title of the message today was No Excuses. In other words, to answer the call of God on your life and whatever it is that's keeping you from doing that, uh, we need to get over it and stop making excuses and do it. But as I was studying yesterday and as I was putting it together, I felt the Holy Spirit was taking us in a slightly different direction. So this morning I don't want to talk about excuses. I'm just going to tell you one thing. Stop making them. (laughs) And move on. (laughs) Because I feel the Holy Spirit is telling us that we need to get even more basic than that. We have to get back to the basics of the choices God makes and really get back to a fundamental principle of the Christian faith. And that is the principle of predestination. That God makes choice. And when he makes choice, he sets the world into a pattern that will bring blessing to us if we will understand it and do it. But if we decide that we can make different choices from God and do it a different way, we're going to run into trouble. So we go all the way back to the beginning, all the way back to Genesis 1, where God created the heavens and the earth. Because that is the first fundamental choice that God made. He predestined this world to be a certain way. And so he began to create the world to be the way he wanted it. As you open the beginning of the Bible, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And we see right there the triune God in action. Three parts, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit together speaking the word into action and the world being formed. The heavens, the earth, the plant life, the animals, all done the way God wanted it to be. All done as he said, good. And everything was set in motion for us to be blessed in a way that we will never truly understand this side of the Garden of Eden But God had made everything good and the way he wanted it to be. And it was on the sixth day for his final creation that he made Adam. And then he made Eve. He brought mankind into the world. And he made us to be a certain way as well. And again, he predestined or predetermined 
how we would be, what we would look like, how we would act, the things that we would do. And he knew that the way he created us would bring us great blessing if we'd simply understand that God loves us and God has our best interests in mind. And so he made us like him, and we are a three-part being as well. And that's the fundamentals we want to talk about this morning. How God made us and what we have to do in order to understand the choices that God has set in motion for our lives. Genesis 1.26 tells how God began to form us and make us. It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Let us make man in our image. See, the first fundamental dimension of us, the side of us, is a spiritual side. We have a spiritual dimension to our lives because we have been created to be in fellowship with our Creator. When Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden, God came to visit them. They would talk together, particularly in the cool of the evening. They would have conversations. They were in fellowship. God taught them much, and they enjoyed all that he had created there in the Garden of Eden. There was a balance and a harmony to everything that was in the world at that time. Adam and Eve were in harmony with God. They were also in harmony with each other. They were in harmony with the animals, with the plants, with the earth. And everything worked together and everything was good because they were in fellowship with their creator. That spiritual dimension that was put into them made them blessed and made them secure, made them to trust God and know that he indeed was the one that was the source of their blessing. But outside the Garden of Eden stood someone who hated God's creation, who didn't want the success that God was making in this new world to continue. And so Satan began to attack God's creation. He wanted to get man to stand independent of God, and thereby bring about his destruction, even if man didn't understand it. So he began to talk to Eve. And what did he basically tell her? He told her, you can make your own choices. You don't have to do it God's way. There's no such thing as predestination. God does not have everything planned out and set in motion. You can change it. And in fact, when you start making choices and when you begin to change it, you're going to find you know just as much as God does. You're going to make the world a better place. You're going to find that when you do it your way, you're much more satisfied and you're much happier than if you do it God's way because you really don't know yet what's out there. And God really doesn't have your best interest in mind. And so they accepted that argument. And as you know, sin 
came into the world and sin marred the relationship that they had with God. And immediately death came into the picture in the sense that that spiritual dimension of their life was suddenly cut off. They could not have the relationship with God that they had had up to that point. And this time when God came to talk to them, they knew something was wrong and they didn't want to go out and to have a conversation with them. Instead, they hid. They ran away from God because they knew they were in trouble and they knew something was going to happen. But God still didn't abandon mankind. He set a plan in motion. And that plan was that we needed a redeemer, someone who would come and make it possible for our relationship with God to be restored so that we could again have fellowship with him and so that we could be what he created us to be and that spiritual dimension of our life could be reinstated. The cross was the way that God determined that this breach could be healed. When he came to Mary to talk about Jesus Christ being born into the world, she recognized that a Savior would indeed heal that breach. In her song, or Magnificat, verse 46 of Luke 1, it says, Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. Because your spirit can rejoice when you acknowledge that Jesus Christ really is your Savior. And that plan that God set in motion from the very beginning of time really does make a difference. And whatever it is that has kept you from being all that you want to be is fulfilled when we come to the cross and have our sins forgiven through Jesus Christ. We are still made in the image and likeness of God. Even though sin has entered the world and sin has taken a toll throughout the centuries, we are still made in the image and likeness of God. And that means that there is still a spiritual dimension to us that needs to be alive, needs to be born again needs to be in relationship with our creator. And until that happens, we're never really the people that we want to be. There's always something missing. But Satan still wars against us. He doesn't want us to make the choice of Jesus Christ as our redeemer. And so he does everything possible under the sun to help us make different choices other than the one that God wants us to make. And so we hear all the time, the cross is not the only way. You don't have to make that choice. Jesus Christ, if, if you want to believe in Jesus, you should go ahead and believe it, but don't say that that's the choice for everybody. Everybody doesn't have to come that way. There's all kinds of different ways to get to know the God who created you. And eventually, all of us will get there. We're all going to eventually be in God's presence, and whatever that means, we will find it. And Satan really goes after you by saying, the problem in your life, whatever you think is missing, is not the result of sin. 
Don't let them tell you sin's the problem. Because sin isn't the problem. There's a hundred other things that are making you a problem, but it's not sin. And so you don't need a redeemer. You just need to really find out who you are and what life is all about. And so we still keep trying to determine our own destiny, to find our own way, to live life without God. The idea that he's first, that there's no other gods before him, we kind of shove that to the background. Because whether, whether we believe in him or not, it's nice, but, you know, to put him first, to get all carried away about it, we're not there. We just as soon make our own choices, live our own life our own way. But the problem is... The more we try to make our own rules, the more we try to live our own way, the more we try to make a spiritual connection to something, the less likely we seem to do it. Wednesday night, we talked about the book of Ecclesiastes. If you've ever read through that book, you know it's not exactly the most uplifting, cheery book you're ever going to read in the Bible. In fact, it starts off by saying, vanity, vanity, all is vanity. Or in another translation, meaningless, meaningless. All is meaningless. There is no purpose to life. It's just meaningless. And the whole book is about Solomon, within all his great wisdom, analyzing life and coming to the conclusion there's just no purpose to it. Whether you're rich or poor, it's better to be rich than poor, but in the end, what difference does it make? Because you're both going to die. Whether you're rich or poor, you're going to die. Whether you have a good profession or you never have a profession, whether you work hard or whether you're lazy, what difference does it make? Because in the end, you're just going to die. You can get a nice nest egg to keep you. But what difference does that make? Because you're going to die and then someone else is going to spend your money. And who even knows what they're going to do with it? And so after a while, there is no meaning to life Because it doesn't matter what you do, you're just going to die. And so we're just going to die. What difference does it make what we do now? We might as well just live for today. But that book points to something that's very important. And it points to the fact that it's written before Solomon really understands the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. And what gives meaning to life is, in fact, the resurrection. That because the Redeemer came into the world and conquered death, we have eternal life through Jesus Christ. And that's what gives meaning to life. And so it doesn't matter what happens to us really in this life because we know unfair things happen. We know that life doesn't always go the way we want it. We get sick, we have issues, people die before their time. Life is not easy now. But what makes it worth living is knowing the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. That resurrection power is available now. He heals, he delivers, he saves, but it also gives us eternal life. And we will be in a new heaven and a new earth at some point if Jesus Christ is our redeemer. We have funerals. We just had two funerals this week, really for the same person. And we've had quite a few in the last little bit. It's just odd to say, I've said it before, but a lot of people enjoy coming to our funerals. Not just to hear what the person's life was about, 
But to hear that hope of resurrection, that this person lived a good life, but that life had meaning and purpose because now they're in the place that Jesus went and prepared for them. And we are going to see each other again because of the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. And so we are able to withstand whatever comes our way in this life, knowing that we are going to be reunited with our creator at some point. We can regain what was lost in Eden through Jesus Christ. And that's why he's the only way. Nobody else came back from the dead. Nobody else conquered death. And so you can talk all you want about every other way, every other spiritual dimension in life, but it simply won't connect you to what you really need. Because God, in the beginning, predetermined that we would be made with a spiritual dimension. And when sin mars that dimension, it can only be regained through the Redeemer that he sent into the world. And that Redeemer is Jesus Christ. We can regain what we lost through sin in the Garden of Eden when we understand Jesus Christ forgives our sins. But he didn't just make us with a spiritual side. He made us with a second dimension as well. In Genesis 2, 7, it says, The Lord formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. There's a soul side to us as well, and that is because our life, our very breath, comes from God as well. When he breathed into Adam the breath of life, Adam became alive. And when we become alive, we are in this world and we know it. You're not dead, you are alive because of the gift God has given you by giving you the gift of life. And again, when Adam and Eve were put in the Garden of Eden, they had that life, that breath from God that awakened them to everything that was in the world and allowed them to have dominion over the animals and to care for the garden because God had made them to be able to do what he wanted them to do. See, the soulish side of us is really our feelings and what makes us the way we are. We know that each one of us are uniquely different. Uh, You don't have to know much about people to know that we're not all alike. Some of people are real outgoing. You know, they walk into a room and everybody knows they're there. They don't have to be in the room two seconds before everyone has seen them. They're just that way. Other people can sit in a room for two weeks and you don't even know who they are because they just kind of fade into the background. They have a very different temperament. If you have any kids at all, you know they're very different. Some of them come on the planet strong-willed. From the minute they open their little mouths and start to cry, it is not a pleasant little cry like, I'm awake now. It's a demanding little cry like, feed me now, get in here. You know, and you, they don't change. They're that way forever. Some are easy to raise, some are not. Some of you are strong-willed, some not so much. Some people are very social. 
the worst thing you could ever do to them was put them out on a a country road somewhere in a little old house a million miles away from everybody because there wouldn't be anybody else there. They have to have a crowd. Other people hate crowds. They would love to be out in a cabin in the woods where nobody would ever come and visit them. They just like to do different things. We have different temperaments. We also have different talents. Some talents are obvious. You know, certain people, they just are very musical. They can sing. They can play instruments. Uh, They're just very good at it. Others are very artistic. They can draw. They can paint. They can make things out of clay. Other people are great leaders. You can just see it in the way they act. Other people can build things. Uh, We're just all differently gifted and differently talented. Because God determined before you were born, in his predestined will, what you would be like. And you didn't have anything to do with it. As parents, you learn very quickly, you didn't have anything to do with it either. They just come into the world strong-willed or not. You didn't make them that way. Because God has uniquely gifted you and made you to accomplish the purpose that he has for your life. But again, sin steps into the picture. Because Satan doesn't want you to be all that God created you to be. He doesn't want you to use your gifts and talents for God. And so when sin steps into the picture, it mars it. And all of a sudden, we aren't where we need to be. And suddenly, these great feelings that we have of of trust and love and accomplishment and, and being whole they begin to change as hurt steps into our life, as disappointments begin to come, as our feelings begin to be upset. And suddenly, we're not doing what we know we need to do because of all the things that have happened to us in our lives. And then our temperament that was created by God to be used by God now becomes our own choice and usually selfish Because now we want things to be our way. And suddenly the world is supposed to revolve around us and give us what we want. And when that does not happen, we become even more upset. But Satan doesn't want us to find the solution. So again, he tells us, if you're feeling, if you're upset, you're disappointed, you're depressed, whatever the problem is, you don't need Jesus Christ in your life. In fact, your problem probably is that you already had him in your life, and he doesn't give you what you want. So you need to find another reason why you're so upset. Blame it on somebody. That's the best way. It's not your fault you're upset. It's somebody else's fault. You had a dysfunctional family, and so they didn't raise you the right way. Had you been in a better family, you'd be a better person today. But you weren't in a better family, so what can I do about that? Or you're just society's problems. I was born in the wrong city, the wrong place. We never had enough money. We were too poor. Or I went to the wrong school. Or I go to the wrong church. Or whatever. It's not my fault I'm the way I am. If you had to live my life, you'd be depressed too. And my feelings, I I can't control them. I, I just know that I have a problem. And so we've become a society that isn't going to do anything God's way. We're going to make our own choices 
And then when we run into trouble, we're going to fix it ourselves. And so we have a myriad of ways to fix what is wrong with us. We have self-help groups everywhere in this country. Because somehow, I guess we think if we just talk about it enough, we can fix it. Talk, talk, talk. We talk so much in this country, you get a headache sometimes. It says, talk, talk, talk. We've been talking for decades, but we're still in a mess. Because you can't fix what's wrong on the inside by simply talking about it. doesn't mean you don't ever talk about it. It just means talking is not going to fix it. And so as we learned that lesson, we figured out, well, maybe medication will help. So now we have a pill for everything. Feeling depressed, feeling anxious, kind of afraid about something? Chill out, take a pill. Take the edge off. You'll, you'll, you'll be able to handle life better. You know, if, you're not, if your feelings are all in a jumble, just smooth them out. Take a little something. We have pills for everything now. But the problem is we're still taking them. And we haven't gotten better yet. And then that whole branch of psychiatry didn't even exist 150 years ago, but now it's everywhere because we got to get in touch with our feelings. And so we have all kinds of ways to get in touch with our feelings, to get to the root of what's bothering us. And so we go back to the past. We go back to our parents. We go back uh, to previous lives if you're in some psychiatry circles because somehow if we understood ourselves enough, we could somehow fix what's wrong with us. But it's not working. And nobody wants to say it's not working. So for all of our self-help, all of our medication, all of our psychiatry, all of the things that we are doing, there's more people in prison now than there have ever been. America now has the highest incarceration rate of any country in the world. With all of our wealth, with all that we have, we can't get along with each other. There's not enough psych wards in the hospitals to hold all the people that are dealing with mental illness. Homelessness out on the street everywhere you go because people aren't functioning in society and don't have a place to go. Murder rate, suicide rate, all going up. Violence on every side, people scared to death. In a world where we were supposed to be connecting to each other, we're more divided than we've ever been. Because people are angry. People are frustrated. People are fearful. People are touchy. People are too self-involved. And the answers we keep coming up with are, just do it more. Talk more. Medicate more. Look inside yourself more. Eventually you'll get to understand yourself better, but... We're still more divided. We're racially divided. We're economically divided. We're not getting any better. And nobody wants to examine it and get to the truth of why. But life is a gift from God. And if we don't fundamentally approach life on God's terms, then we can't fix what is wrong with us because sin has marred the picture. And our temperaments, our giftings, everything has changed when sin steps into the picture. And there's only one way to fix it. 
And that's by having sin taken away by the blood of Jesus Christ. See, forgiveness is a wonderful concept. When Jesus Christ forgives you of your sin, he gives you the opportunity to start over and make a difference. And unless we have that opportunity, we just keep spinning our wheels and can't make it because we're never going to get better by making our own choices. We have to accept who God has created us to be. The gifts and talents, the temperaments that he's given to us, he's given to us for a reason, because he has a plan for our lives. If we try to compare ourselves to everyone else and always wish we were someone else, we're never really going to be content or happy with who we are. God doesn't expect you to be like the person sitting next to you. If you're shy and retiring, he made you that way. So he doesn't expect you to be the life of the party every time you walk in a room. He may expect you to be polite and nice, but he doesn't expect you to basically change who you are. He's given you gifts and talents. He expects you to use them. If he's given you musical talent, you should use it. If he hasn't given you musical talent, stop wishing you had it. Because those of us that haven't been overly blessed with that, we have to come to terms with it. I had to come to terms with the fact that I can't draw anything. I can't paint anything. I can't do crafts. If I have to use my hands to make something, it is just not going to happen. And so I see all these little invitations and things. Let's go to a painting party. I know I don't need to go to a painting party. I'm going to just, it'll be a mess. I won't leave happy. I'll leave depressed. Because everyone else will make beautiful things and mine will just be sitting there. So I already know that. I've come to terms with it. God didn't ask me to paint. You've got to come to terms with who God predestined you to be. And once you do that, you'll find his blessing is there. And he will equip you to accomplish whatever it is he wants you to do. But if you think you can make your own choices... If you think you can be who you want to be, and if you think your feelings have to be what lead every decision you make, then you'll fundamentally find very quickly that life is not going to be the way you want it. Other people aren't going to make you feel better all the time. In fact, what you find out real quick is other people are the problem. They don't appreciate who you are. They don't understand your needs and how to help you. In fact, they actually expect you to meet their needs. And when everybody's trying to expect someone else to meet your own needs, we're never going to get anywhere. Because that's not the way we are created. We are created to actually serve. And God gave us the gifts and talents that we need to accomplish that. He gave us a spiritual dimension so that we could be in fellowship with him. He gave us a dimension we call our soul, our personality, so that we could be unique and make a difference in this world and be confident in who we are. But he also made a third dimension to us as well. Genesis 1.27, it says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female He created them. 
See, there's a physical side to mankind as well. He created us from the dust of the ground, and we know that eventually we're going to return to dust because he made a body for us, and that body is fashioned by God as well. And so he made us to look the way we look. But it's much more fundamental than that because it says he created us to be male or female. See, that's the most basic form of predestination that there is. That you are created either to be a male or to be a female. Both are good in God's eyes, but you are one or the other. And now you begin to see the great attack of Satan against every part of God's predetermined plan. And even the most fundamental, basic part that we've always known, that now you can even make a choice as to whether or not you want to be male or you want to be female. But there is no continuum. You are, in fact, one or the other. There's no 100% male here, 100% female here, and then everything in between. You may fall in a, in a continuum on that line. That's not it. You are one or the other. But now we have the most basic attack against predestination. No, 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 no. You don't have to be what God created you to be. And Satan is again whispering just like he did to Eve. You can make your own choice. And when you make that choice, you will be better for it. Because God is locking you in to his idea of what you should be. But that's not really the way it has to be. You can be whatever you want. How did we get to this place? How did we get to the point where this lie of Satan can be told and everybody just seems to be falling in line like dominoes and saying, yeah, I never thought about it that way. See, things don't happen overnight. And one of the great attacks against Christianity, really even Judaism before, but particularly Christianity from its earliest existence, has been the philosophies of the pagan world. And it has always influenced Christian culture because the culture around us always pressures us. And there has been particularly since the Greeks came on the scene with all of their philosophies, an idea that we call dualism. And that's an idea that your body is just a shell. And the real you resides in that shell. You know it's a shell because eventually you're going to lose it. We all know when we die, our body dies. But our soul and spirit live on. And so the real you is what's inside. But your body is just a shell on the outside. Therefore, it really doesn't count. It's really not that important. Your inner self is what's important. It's your feelings. It's who you feel you are that makes you who you are. And the rest is really just something that you don't have to worry about. However, we know our bodies do provide problems for us. And so the idea of dualism is you have to conquer your body. 
So you do one of two things. You either deprive it to show that you are in control or you indulge it to show you're not in control. Uh, But somehow you have to make it do what you want it to do because it doesn't work together. You're not in harmony. And so you're always doing something to make your body work. So even in Christian circles, we have this idea that our soul and spirit are different than our body. It's our body that's bad, but the rest of it's good. And so we don't sin. You hear this from people. I hear this from people all the time. I didn't sin. My body sinned. And that sounds odd, sounds funny, but they do say that because what they're saying is, in my head I didn't mean to sin, but I just couldn't help myself. And why couldn't I help myself? Because my body makes me do things that I don't want to do. I'm really a good person. You know, everybody's a good person today. Especially kids. Your kids are great people. And when they do bad, but they're good. They're, good. they're really good. They did, well, they did something bad. Yeah, I get that. But, you know, they didn't mean to. They're not bad because they did something bad. You know, they're really good. But our body does bad things. And so we're always trying to control our body. But it, it usually doesn't work. But even in spiritual church circles, we think the spiritual people are the ones who are somehow outside their bodies. And so when someone comes on the scene and they say things like, I just spent 40 days fasting before the Lord. We go, wow, that's a spiritual person. 40 days of fasting. Because you know you've tried to fast 40 days. And you probably made about 40 minutes. (laughs) And then your body started saying, I'm hungry, I'm hungry, I'm hungry. And you went, no, no, I'm fasting, but I'm hungry. And next thing you know, you're cheating. Well, you know, the fast let I'm just going to fast, but I can have coffee. And then pretty soon, well, I'm going to fast coffee, but well, just a little roll to go with it. And then I'll fast lunch, but uh, maybe I can fast dinner better if I just have a little lunch. You know, and when we know our bodies are the problem because in our heads, we want to fast. We want to pray. We want to read the word. We want to do all the things we're supposed to do. But our bodies won't let us. Because our body, every time you get down to pray, what does your body do? It says, my knees hurt. <laughs> you know, or why, why don't you go sit somewhere else? Or, you know, it starts talking to you. That's dualism. This idea that your body, soul, and spirit, they don't all work together. But that's not the biblical way. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19, Paul wrote, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who's in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. See, we are made body, soul, and spirit. And it is only when the three together in harmony are working well that we become the people that we need to be. If any one of those dimensions begins to be marred by sin or begins to work at less efficiency than it's supposed to, 
we're going to run into trouble. We have to have the three working together. And that means accepting who God has created us to be. To be confused about your gender identity is to be so broken and so confused as to be unable to function in this world. That is a person in desperate, desperate need of help. And we have to rise to the occasion to tell them what true help is. Because Satan continues his war against God's predetermined plan and wants us to understand that the way to help everybody is to just indulge them, to let them continue in their sin. In fact, to make sin part of our society because in the end, if they're just understood and everything is done well, somehow it will be okay. But to encourage and enable this level of confusion is simply to destroy a person made in the image and likeness of God. We need to learn to speak the truth in love. Jesus said, I didn't come into the world to condemn the world. I came into the world to save the world. And that's what we need to begin to do We need to save the world. 1 Thessalonians 5.23, Paul wrote, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. See, God's choice for us is to be in harmony, body, soul, and spirit. And that means that his spirit has to be working in all three areas of our body. It all begins with Jesus. It means our spirit has to be forgiven of its sins so that our relationship with God can be restored. Because without that fundamental relationship, that part of our being is missing and and will never reestablish our relationship with the creator or ever be made whole. When it comes to our spirit, there is healing, there is deliverance for the hurts, for the disappointments, for the addictions, for whatever it is that is causing you to feel the way you feel and know you don't fit in or you just can't be what God wants you to be. And of course, he's the answer for what ails our bodies, to to reunite the three together and to be different. As Christians, we have to begin to understand and grab hold a very new dimension of truth. And that is the truth of who God created us to be and how the answer for the world is to do it God's way because Jesus Christ is the only answer. Jesus said there would be a harvest field. And that his people needed to be laborers in the harvest field and get out there and teach them the gospel message. But we have today a very different harvest field than mankind has ever had in the history of our existence. 
We cannot go out into the harvest field equipped with the old methods that have always worked in the past because the brokenness, the upset, the rage of Satan against humanity has gotten to such a pitch that if we don't have the true wisdom of the Holy Spirit to meet the needs of the people out there, they are not going to make it. And the suicide rate is going to continue to climb because of the despair and meaningless that we are finding in this world today. God has a predetermined plan, and we cannot choose otherwise. And if we are going to buy into all of this cultural nonsense that we can choose our own way and that sin somehow can be put aside and won't make a difference, we are going to condemn a generation to hell. We have got to change our methods. We cannot go out there condemning people. We cannot use the kind of words that destroy. We have to be people of love and mercy. And that means we have to approach everything differently. We talk about love and mercy all the time, but we know we have people we do not want to connect with. The political sphere right now is so divisive and destructive and Christians get caught in that so fast we need the wisdom of the Holy Spirit and we need an awakening in our hearts and minds to how God wants to use us in this day and age to make a difference in our nation in our world and I think this morning we need to come We need to close by coming to the altar and asking the Lord for the wisdom that we need for this generation. If you still aren't in relationship with God, you can come this morning and just ask him to forgive your sins and and have that taken care of. If your feelings are hurt about something, you're still upset or you still don't feel right, Come and give it to the Lord and let him heal you. If you're dealing with issues of the way you're made, bring it to the Lord. But as God's people, if we're whole and we are integrated, then we just need to ask for wisdom. Because we are facing a new harvest field. And if we don't go in his wisdom and in his grace, we're going to miss it. We talk about revival. We want revival in the churches and in our hearts. But I do believe it is going to be something so different than we've ever experienced that if we don't be careful, we'll miss it because it is a change in our hearts to see the needy and the broken who are so broken that we don't even want to be around them through the eyes of mercy and love to say you don't have to live this way God delivers God heals God puts the broken pieces back together and he can fix what is wrong with you if you will put yourself in his hands and do it his way so as we 
begin to sing this song. Just stand. Come. And let's just begin to pray. Let's just begin to ask the Holy Spirit to open our eyes, to open our hearts, to give us a new dimension of love, a new dimension of understanding, a new dimension of mercy, a new dimension of care. And say, Lord, I know you have chosen me to take the gospel message into the world, but help me to take it with the wisdom that comes from above. We're in a war, and it's time we admitted that. Time we recognized it. Satan is warring for God's creation, and he wants to destroy it. And he's making more headway than he's ever been. And if God's people don't wake up to the fact that we're in a war and get the equipment we need to fight, the battle's going to be lost because the church is the only answer. You can't fight Satan if you're fighting God's people. Get over it. God called these people. And you need to get along with them. I don't care how much they irritate you. They are chosen and called by God. That's why they're here. Now, an army works together. They don't fuss about who's doing what. They work in unity. And we have to work in unity. And we need to pray more. This Saturday is our morning prayer for the month. Some of you need to wake up to the power of prayer. And you need to start putting that on your schedule and getting here. Your child does not need to play sports more than he needs to learn to pray. And as long as we put everything in this culture first and God second, we're going to lose the war. You need to be here Saturday. The only excuse that you have not to be here should be one that you can stand before God's throne and say, yeah, God will say, yeah, that's a good excuse. And if God himself wouldn't say it's a good excuse, then it's not a good one. And you need to be here because God's people need to start to pray. Because if you're going to have wisdom and you're going to have power and you're going to see revival happen, you want the harvest field to be done, then it starts with prayer. And it starts with the word. You need a new, fresh commitment to study the word. Because if we're not equipped with the sword of truth, we're going to lose the battle. Because the culture has its own truth and wants to tell us we don't know the truth. But we know the truth. And we have to stand and be ready for the truth and understand something. When you speak the truth, persecution's coming. Persecution's here. But you speak the truth in love. You don't speak the truth in condemnation. Next week is confirmation. We are confirming a group of young people. When we confirm people, one of the prayers we always make is, or always say, is that God will give them a sound mind. If we ever need a sound mind today, we need one now. And our young people need a sound mind to know the truth from the lie. And that means all of you need to be here next week so that as we lay hands and pray on them, pray with them, you are praying as well. 
for the unified prayer of the righteous to deeply, deeply ingrain the truth of Jesus Christ into the next generation. Because if they don't know it, they won't stand. And the persecution that's coming against them is going to be greater than anything our generation has ever understood. Satan is on a tear. He's destroying this nation. But God's people can never be defeated because God has already predestined the outcome and the outcome is God's people win. Amen. So grab a hold of that. You are created in the image and likeness of God. You need to be in fellowship with God. That's prayer. You need to have your feelings and the, your inside, your gifts and talents used for God's purposes. And then you will find the, the rest of that is irrelevant because God's using you. And he made you the way you look for a reason. So get over that too. That does now. Your temple's still the body of the Holy Spirit, or your body's the temple of the Holy Spirit. I said it backwards. You take care of it, dress it right, feed it right, do it right. But it is you. When I see you, who do I see? I don't see your feelings. I see you, your body. That's who you are. That's who God's created you to be. Yes, someday we're going to have a perfect body, new body. But until that day, We need a body with the eyes of mercy and grace of God. Father, we thank you. Thank you for the choices you've made. You did make a world where we would have everything that we would ever need and we would be blessed. You didn't mess that world up. We did. By this idea that we could make our own choices and we could do it better than you. But every choice we make just leads to destruction if that choice isn't the one that you want us to make. So, Lord, help us to see through your eyes, to see a broken and lost humanity, but one who you love very deeply, and we need to love too. And help us to reach out to those in need. Help us to be full of the truth of the word of God and bring people to a place where they can be saved, delivered, changed, healed, because that's what you want the church to be, a house of prayer and a house of healing. So Lord, use us to accomplish that as we go now in your grace, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.